0: Hello! Welcome to Dragon Babies. This is a special very special episode. Normally, I title these Grace's Reading Corner, where there's something that I'm fixated on and Madeline doesn't want to talk about. (laughs) But I found someone who does want to talk about this. I do. (laughs) And I'd love to introduce (laughs) Renee. Hello. First, you know, before we get in, why don't we just introduce you a little bit and hear Mm -hmm. a little bit about your experience with fantasy, with fantasy. We can talk more in detail about old Grendel impressions once Mm -hmm. we get to that part, but why do you like books, Renee? (laughs) (laughs) I like books because I read them always, and they were the
1: escape from, not the escape, almost the welcome into life. Mm -hmm. I lived in the woods. I grew up in the woods. I would (laughs) go down to the pond and sit in a rock because that way I was away from my younger siblings. Who, Grace and I are both oldest children. You'll yes. hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love them. My younger siblings were wonderful, but it, there was no peace. So I would go to the pond and sit on a rock and read and um, books were wonderful.
0: I think a lot of us share a similar sentiment, mm-hmm. escaping from maybe the people in your life for a moment so that you can enter a different world.
1: Yeah. And the different world you entered helped you understand the people back yeah. at the house. For sure. Yeah, and what you could and couldn't do with them.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we're not going to follow too many examples from Grendel. No, no <laughs> Grendel was not that. We won't be smashing any heads um, in any immediate uh, uh, futures of oh. ours. I also wanted to mention that the reason that we both thought about grendel recently was after we covered the snow queen and renee as one of our very faithful listeners listened to the episode and we both really had this creature crawl out of the depths of memory toward mm-hmm. us i called him a creature again <laughs> I don't <have> to work <laughs> on that. this being um and i had an itch to reread this and i'm Really glad we did. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Renee, for supporting me on this. I'm glad. For Grace's Reading Corner, I'm I'm always alone. It's the first one I've done with another person. So it's, fun it's a too. very special oh, yes. episode. It's
1: sort of like I've come down into your grendel hole here.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> i know. And, we mentioned yeah. sometimes we do record in a corner of our basement. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. We're definitely in the cave. We're below the fire snakes. We're safe here. Yeah. No wandering heroes are going to come and try to destroy us. And I'll also just mention that Renee is my mother-in-law. That's one of our many connections. Yes. So you'll see the connections
1: to the little cave where the mother lives with the son, <laughs> and this is the mother with the daughter-in-law. But, but I don't think I'm I think that's the, the end. Of- <laughs> That's the end of the connection.
0: Agree. (laughs) I think we're good. Otherwise, (laughs) we are today discussing the novel Grendel by John Gardner, published in 1971. And Grendel is a book that I read when I was a teenager. It's really stayed with me. I've always loved, and we've talked a lot on the podcast about fractured fairy tales and retellings of really popular folklore. And Grendel really falls into that category, although it's very much a book for adults and it's not done in a YA (laughs) style. (laughs) No. But I'm really excited to talk about the ways in which this book feels like a fantasy to me and just some of the storytelling techniques that Gardner uses and the ways that I think it kind of fits into the pantheon of fantasy works that we've covered. Renee, would you like to... Describe the cover on the ebook that we both read.
1: Oh, it's this gorgeous picture. It's all in golds and browns of a creature that's some um, part human and part mole. Maybe? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Very fuzzy. Up, yeah,
1: looking <laughs> up at the upper regions with its mouth open and its eyes kind of closed and sort of yowling. Clearly yowling and it's got a Light colored, delicate belly.
0: It does have a soft little belly. There's an immediate hint at the humanity that resides within. I love this cover. I couldn't find the name of the artist anywhere, um, and I don't have my physical copy anymore. But the book also has really beautiful line work illustrations at the outset of each chapter that feature Grendel's face, and those are illustrated by Emil Antonucci. Um, and I think he did the first edition cover as well, which has another very simple line rendering of Grendel howling up at the sky. So this is a, this is a slightly more fleshed out version. There's
1: a little signature in the corner of the cover, Grace. I know, but I, I couldn't read, read
0: it. I looked at that too. I was like a clue, a clue, <laughs> um, but it was too scratchy <laughs> for me to make out. <laughs> so I have always thought that this was a really strong cover, and it it feels sad, but it's also very beautiful, and I think really brings out the ways in which Grendel is a natural. Creature and not the sort of monster that humans and he himself label. I'd and say is.
1: a being, even yeah, not not a creature. Often seems like a a creation, you
0: know. Yeah, I guess
1: by God, but
0: yeah. Well, in Grendel, it's maybe. One of God's creations as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's it's yeah, very he struggles vague. With that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> so we do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover, as you know. I don't know that this book is super spoilable. I think everyone knows the bare bones plot of Beowulf, which outlines the general plot points of this book. Um, it is a retelling of Beowulf from Grendel's perspective, but it's much more about Grendel's life. Um, if you haven't read it before and you're interested, I will say it's you know it's a dark read, a sad read, also very funny, also very beautiful at times. Um, I think you need to be in the right mindset for it, but I do pretty universally recommend it. And the writing is just... Unbelievable. And if you haven't read Beowulf,
1: mm-hmm. do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in translation. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Unless you really read Old English. I knew some people who did, who could read Whoa. the whole thing. but Not I. No, not I either. And and John Gardner, Grendel is beautifully written, as is Beowulf.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so if, if you haven't read them before, I urge you to simply to experience the text for yourself Mm -hmm. and there's a new-ish beowulf translation people have said is really incredible from 2020 by maria devana headley ah woman yeah by a lady i'd like to read so we do like that yeah but first grendel so the plot is very stream of consciousness at times we follow grendel throughout His life. We don't get a clear idea of exactly how long he's existed for. We know that he has a mother who he lives with in a cave under water that's also above water. (laughs) The geography of it was a little confusing at times. And he spends his days exploring the world and trying to make sense of both himself and of the world's other inhabitants mm-hmm. we we have a clear feeling that he is if not immortal at the very least granted with very long life because he has a capacity to witness and process human patterns and be able to draw larger conclusions about The foolishness and meaninglessness of things like warring bands of people and the way that it kind of all just keeps resulting in the same end of everyone dying (laughs) and the lands just kind of being passed back and forth at nauseum. Grendel begins to gain some semblance of structure in his life when he decides to begin attacking a major hall, which is run by a king named Hrothgar, and Grendel is fascinated by humans. He had an interaction with them when he was a little bit younger, and he was running through the woods and became stuck between two oak trees. And he almost died while he was in the trees Um, and a group of people came and were witnessing him and seemed like maybe they could understand that he was trying to communicate with them. But then they also decided he was a tree spirit and ultimately his mother came and saved him after he was stuck in the tree for a long period of time. So ever since then, he has been really fascinated with just watching these people that live near his cave and also watching them amass greater wealth and grow their kingdom through the kind of marauding that I mentioned a little earlier. And it becomes clear that they're becoming one of the major powers in the area by forcing other bands to unite under them through violence and threats. And yeah, and extracting like taxes how. and the like. And also
1: he realizes that they're related to him because he can understand their language. Yeah. And when he's in the tree, they some of them almost recognize that they can understand him and they think of feeding him for a bit. But there's just that moment of maybe they'd connect and then it it falls apart.
0: Yeah, there's that flash of realization that's you're right, really important. That's when Grendel begins to see that he can exist sort of in the same realm as humans. Mm -hmm. Um, Before then, he he had mentioned at different points because the whole narrative is first-person perspective. And he'd mentioned that he was to a lot of human eyes nothing more than a, a shadow on a rock. And it felt to me kind of that that feeling from some fantasy where you can't really see one of the fake folk. Yeah. Um and they can kind of just pass by you. Um, but Grendel becomes interested in I would say finding ways to connect with the humans. And by connect with I mean kind of have an impact on their lives. And the way that he finds that is through storming into the hall and murdering people um well there are better ways to (laughs) express yourself he does try to communicate with them well it's when yeah so the the other important piece is that they get a really talented bard that Mm -hmm. comes to town because he's heard of Hrothgar's growing power and he's really, really talented. Um, He's called the Shaper. That's what Mm. Grendel calls him because she shapes these incredible stories which Grendel recognizes as both incredibly powerful and beautiful and also false. Um, He's telling lies about the history of these different bands of people and creating a narrative that is going to stir people to action, to religion, to belief, whatever, to support in their king, whatever it might be. But Grendel knows that it's all just a fabrication. But he too is affected by the Shaper. Mm -hmm. And that is when he tries to run into the hall and fling himself down and say help to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they can't tell and this happens throughout the book and it's so funny and sad that they can't tell if he's laughing or screaming um there's there's no connection there for them to be able to sort between the two um and he's a mysterious beast to them and he's frequently misunderstood so Beyond that, I I guess also before he starts the attacks in earnest, he decides that he's going to go talk to the dragon. So Grendel sort of passes out of time and space and transports himself to a dragon who he has mentioned before in the narrative, kind of as a memory, kind of also as a presence that he just feels also existing in the world. Because Grendel is so alone and so unlike all other beings. It's him, his mom, and then the dragon. And he decides to go to the dragon to try to get some kind of perspective I think on what he witnessed with the shaper specifically and the way that he's beginning to feel emotions for the humans or that or that he could even be stirred by the humans Mm -hmm. because Grendel has already been experimenting with nihilism, existentialism, not believing in any force existing outside of what you create. And the dragon confirms all of that. The dragon is totally over humanity and the silly little ants that roam around. And the dragon ultimately tells Grendel that his only advice for him is to find a pile of gold and sit on it. That's yeah. all he has. <laughs> so this this isn't helpful. <laughs> it's It's not going to give Grendel the comfort that he's seeking. So after that is when he does begin attacking the castle. I think it starts because he's just listening to the Shaper one Mm -hmm. night and listening to the songs. And then he's discovered by some of the soldiers. And in that fight, Grendel realizes that the dragon has enchanted or cursed him, depending on how you look at it. And he can't be harmed by swords so he's now safe from or damage. Arrows. Yeah, by, by weaponry, by, yeah. he is essentially impervious to anything that the humans bring against him. Mm-hmm. There is a particularly brave Thane, one of the like exalted soldiers named Unferth, who tries to challenge Grendel And Crundle takes it upon himself to, like, break his mind um, and refuse to let him defeat him, also refuse to kill him so he doesn't get a heroic hero's death. He just forces him to go on existing, just unraveling everything that Unfirth believes about what a hero is and how he can... Fulfill that identity, and Unferth even goes to Grendel's cave, tracks him all the way there, um, and it's the only time in Grendel that any anyone appears in the cave, which, to me, always felt like this ultimate place of safety. Um, And so it it is very jarring when he shows up there, but he still can't do anything. And Grendel just gently carries him back and puts him in front of the hall. And there's a really (laughs) funny line that says, and I killed the two guards there so that they wouldn't misconstrue my actions. Like, he didn't want to show, like, I'm not being nice. I'm being mean. (laughs) I'm being bad. (laughs) Yeah. just trapping this man in his failure as a hero. Unferth can speak to him. Yeah. Unferth is willing to listen yes. to him. Um, so the two of them, and, and that's why Unferth is driven mad by him because Grendel's telling him, like, you're, you're not a hero. You can't defeat me and your life means nothing. And Unferth is just like, no. Um, so they have a, uh, relationship of Mm -hmm. sorts and Unferth continues to not be able to stop him and Grendel continues to attack he usually ceases to attack in the winter time um and that typically is when he kind of lays low and sort of hibernates sometimes um but this goes on for 12 years Grendel also witnesses the rise of another group of thanes and a king who is named Higmod. I don't know how to say any of these names. So Grendel is noting this other growing force and sees that Hrothgar brings an army to attack Higmod and his people. But in order to stop that fight from taking place, Higmod offers his sister, whose name pronunciation I did look up, (laughs) Walchtheo. (laughs) Walshtale? <laughs> that's what this I, I know says. how to
1: read it, but silently.
0: Yeah. That's what um okay, that's what this Thale. guide by Dr. Mark Womack
1: <laughs> tells us. Well, good because me. she's kind of important. She's yeah, she's yes, she's, she's, a tough she's, lady. she's really
0: important. And she is offered as sort of a battle deterrent. She'll mm-hmm. marry Hrothgar. And so they're going to become forced allies through this switch. So Walsh Théo moves back with Hrothgar and becomes a prominent part of, the, of life at the Hall. And Grendel becomes very fixated on her the same way that he did initially with the Shaper. When he met him, because she also stirs feeling in him. And he recognizes that it's not something that he created, and yet it's still evoking some kind of response. So mm-hmm. it's clashing with his would be worldview. He even decides that he wants to kill her because she does threaten that worldview. But midway through that process, while he's about to murder her in her bedroom, he decides that it would be the same to let her live as to kill her, and he just leaves, just runs out. Um, And he also likes that that additionally confuses the people of the hall, because every time he does something that isn't just motivated by, you know, blind bloodlust, They grow further and further away from understanding who Grendel is and what his motivations really are, and Grendel likes that. Grendel also sees Hrothgar's nephew, whose father dies and whose name is (laughs) Hralthoth. It's getting harder and harder over here. (laughs) It's a lot of ages. Um, He he comes to live with them, and it becomes clear that he is also developing a plot to overthrow Hrothgar. And he talks to, he has secret meetings with a peasant in the woods who basically teaches him about Marxism. And they talk about a revolution. Then there's another important moment where Grendel sees a... um, He's, he's standing in the God Circle, the area next to the hall where they've built statues dedicated to their different gods. And an old priest named Orc approaches and thinks that Grendel is a god and talks to him and then grendel kind of witnesses some a group of priests having you know like either a crisis of faith or feeling that their faith has been confirmed by the things that orc is saying so that just kind of adds to grendel's overall confusion at exactly what the humans are doing and he's getting more and more He's feeling more and more like something ominous is going to happen. And he's feeling that when he looks at the humans and he's feeling that when he is with his mother and she's most of the time unable to really say anything to him. But he feels like he's getting more of a repetition of her trying to say actual words. Mm. Um, So things are just feeling more and more frightening. Grendel watches the Shaper die the Shaper passes on, and Grendel takes this as kind of another piece adding on to his growing dread. And then the the big bad of the book arrives. It's Beowulf, and he has come from overseas with a group of men, and he is... In Grendel's opinion, which is the only perspective we get, <laughs> completely insane and his <laughs> eyes aren't connected to anything he says and he can't read him and is very concerned by him. Beowulf is very cruel to Unferth and Grendel sees it as, you know, sort of a a, a new type of hero has has arrived. And he knows that they're there to kill him, to kill Grendel. And Grendel feels compelled to enter into the fight. Throughout the book, we've kind of had, there've been moments when Grendel has wished for the end of his life. And then there have been others when he seems to have a zest for life. Um, He really oscillates between the two. And at this point, it feels more like a prophesied moment than anything like everyone is compelled into this fight so grendel attacks and it's in the night he thinks that all the men are sleeping but he grabs beowulf and beowulf is fully awake and in grendel's eyes transforms into a winged flame-tongued figure Um, It's hard to, sometimes he feels like an angel, sometimes kind of draconic, and is also saying the same existentialist things that the dragon said to Grendel when he was with him. And he tears off Grendel's arm. Grendel is, for the first time since the very beginning of the book, when he was caught in the trees, actually in danger and in Mm -hmm. great pain. And then there is a very, there's a moment that's really left to the reader to decide exactly what happens when Grendel is standing at what he feels is the edge of an impossible abyss. And we don't know exactly how his life ends. And he wonders if what he's feeling is joy. Yeah. That's the end, he says. <laughs> and there are all these animals gathered watching it when he says, Grendel has made a mistake, and may you all do. <laughs> Let's get into our old and new impressions. Yeah. When was the first time that you read this book? Well,
1: it was trans it was written in 71, which was right before I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. So I did not read it till quite a bit later. I had read Beowulf in college. And um, and I brought what I actually reread, Grace, were two the introductions to these two translations oh, nice. of Beowulf okay. that I had, and that has been fascinating mm. to me because the one that probably was mine in college. So this is probably the one that I read when I was young, before Grendel was written. It was yeah, um, copyright is. Early 57. Cool. And it's shocking to read Mm. because the question is Is it real? Is Beowulf a Christian story? And yes, it Mm. is a Christian story because it talks about God. Well, Mm -hmm. excuse me, don't most cultures talk about God? Yeah. There's not very much jesus Jesusy things in this, and besides, what difference does it make if it's a
0: Christian story? But that's the whole right. thing. Well, and that's so interesting that that's the conclusion because I feel like this the the folk in this book are of strong pagan faith. Oh, it's very pagan, yeah. And so I'm surprised that. that. But you know that Beowulf was the one.
1: Book that survived right. from the burning of all of the libraries. Yeah. And there's just one copy and it's partly burned. So, why did it get saved? And mm-hmm. some say it's because it had this Christian overlay, but it mm. clearly was. Oh, and Gosh, this, it can this just be read
0: so differently. introduction
1: is all about was it one person who wrote yeah. it or were there several? And did they? Put the Christian stuff in later, and he's very firm. Like, there was just one guy who wrote Beowulf, oh and gosh. he put all that Christian stuff in because he was a Christian. And I'm thinking, this man is insane. <laughs> and this is what influenced me when yeah. I first read this yeah. thing was that. And yeah. then it's all And about, much more
0: susceptible to yes, that kind of suggestion. That's
1: true. And, and then there's all this stuff about how great. Our culture is, and our culture is Beowulf's. I guess that's yeah. what, you know, like all this hero-y stuff, and mm-hmm. it's it's re- reading it now was just kind of outrageous mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the start. Um,
0: What was the other introduction like?
1: The other one is more gentle, comes later, and not quite as um, ethnocentric and male-dominated, but still there. Mm -hmm. So the, the next important thing for me is that when I was in grad school, then I... Well, and I started reading other ancient literature and learned something that makes a whole lot of sense, that the earlier religions were mostly mother religions. And then they moved from mother religions to, you know, like the great mother, the Mm -hmm. um, earth, Mm -hmm. to mother and child. And that quickly became mother and son. Now, there you've got the mother and Grendel,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: who were, hmm, like, original beings yeah. probably. Yeah. And and I suddenly began then to see Beowulf as these these men who had stolen Grendel's mother's land, and then they were pretending it was theirs. And all yeah. of this hero y stuff, like whoever can kill the most is the greatest one. Yeah. Whereas the mother religion was if you could protect the children, you were great. Um then Gardner, I uh, probably about in there read Grendel. Mm-hmm. And Gardner was clearly responding to new evidence of other be other humanoid beings, yeah. Neanderthal and the yeah. like. And were they like humans? Were humans better than Neanderthal and other early mm-hmm. humanish forms? And how did they get along together, and did they ever mate? And, mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of questions were all up in 1970 when he wrote this. Yeah. So he's – I was – I liked when I read it, but I was always pretty annoyed at how he portrayed Grendel's mother.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. in Beowulf, she gets more airtime than she does in
0: For sure. Grendel. And she, isn't it weird that the book – well, I guess it has to because we're in this like – Almost suffocatingly first person perspective where we exist in Grendel's mind, and his last conscious thought is where the book ends but in Beowulf then Grendel's mother comes to avenge him That's right, and she, and does a she good job. has her really big important moment mm-hmm. um, where they're they're fighting back and it, it's so interesting because it also would have been sort of a beautiful bookend because she saves him near the beginning as well yeah. and she exists as this pure force of nature in a lot of mm-hmm. ways um Because she, it's like she's the, like, less, maybe less evolved version of Grendel in some ways because she doesn't have the tools of language. But then she also has this really powerful protection ability and this knowledge when Grendel is in need of her. So that feels like that's playing into her sort of, like, almost deity-like abilities. (laughs)
1: Right. And I have the sense that maybe the people who sang this song before mm-hmm. the Beowulf writer wrote it down had more honor for Grendel yeah. and for his mother. She may have even had a name. Who knows?
0: Right. Instead of just existing yes. in and, relation to him. And I think
1: she could talk. I mm-hmm. didn't kind of like the way now when mm-hmm. I read it, I see how Grendel looks down on his yeah. mother. She's just this consuming mother, mm-hmm. needy thing, mm-hmm. um, and she, that's not really how she came across to me when I first read Beowulf. Yeah, um, and in Beowulf, um, Beowulf comes down to attack her after she comes and and gets the body of Grendel and his right. arm even. Right. And she avenges him, and then she goes back to her cave under the water. Mm -hmm. That's pretty clever to have created a cave under the water when the world was taken over by (laughs) humans. It's very
0: impressive. And there are fire snakes to guard the entrance. There are, and there are other
1: beings off in the Mm -hmm. corners that Grendel knows about, but he can't really talk to them. Yeah, She knows the dragon. She knows a lot of stuff. And it's very clear in Beowulf that she would have destroyed Beowulf, except that God came down mm-hmm. and um, helped him. Beowulf mm-hmm. was was defeated by Grendel's mother, except that this Gotti thing, who <laughs> who the Deus ex Gotti thing, <laughs> yeah,
0: right.
1: Who <laughs> <laughs> the translator and uh, introduction writer yeah. says proves that it's a Christian book. Mm-mm. But it's it's um, it's because Beowulf is helped by this Christian yeah. God yeah. that it's a Christian book, and Beowulf is right. He's better. He's good. He's a good being because God mm-hmm. picks him, mm-hmm. and this is, doesn't make. Excuse me, I'm getting into the theology no, about it's it, okay. but it doesn't make
0: much sense. No, actually. It, it doesn't. Well, and I think that's. That's one reason why I do like Grendel so much because it's applying a lot of these questions to Beowulf, to like this Mm -hmm. really early example we have of storytelling and of, like you said, the hero's path and the way that a hero should behave. (laughs) And then points out all of the like really horrifying ways in which the hero, the hero's path, the hero's life is actually so destructive to the original peoples and lands that the hero is stamping all over. Um, It's, it's so, it, it, it really struck me in this reread of Grendel too how, I, I love, first of all, that Beowulf is barely in the book. So I did like... <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> and he's this
0: big brute just with just, just big last, muscles.
1: Like and <laughs> and you his eyes don't focus.
0: Yeah, he seems broken. Yeah, he is broken. Yeah, yeah, unwell. And yeah, is so cruel to Unferth and calls him a brother killer in front of everyone mm-hmm. in the hall. Um, and granted, Unferth
1: is kind of sweet,
0: I must say. I have a soft spot on birth too. <laughs> I, do. I, I respect him for for a variety of, of reasons. Yeah, he's
1: lying on the floor after he finally gets through all those fire snakes. They nearly kill him. He near, He's nearly drowned when he gets down to Beowulf's realm. I can't realm. believe he makes it. He's lying there on the floor. He can hardly get up, and he says, Here I am, Beowulf. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And I mean, here I am, Grendel. I'm going to kill you. And Grandel just looks down at him and
0: thinks, I had got to help you catch your breath first. Yes. And then you're dead. says, "I'm drawing my sword." <laughs> and Grendel's like, and he didn't do anything.
1: And he's like, "No, I'm drawing my sword <laughs> because I'm a hero." you yeah. <laughs> kill me, go ahead and kill me. Then I'll be known forever as the one who was able to come after Grendel. And Grendel says, "Well, obviously, then I'm not yeah. going to kill you because that would that would cement your fame." right exactly it's
0: not going to do that that's dear. what he's avoiding like grendel is all about subverting expectations <laughs> and messing with the humans you know their bodies and his attacks but like their expectations of him and mm-hmm. their overall i think grendel feels so he feels so shaky in his understanding of how the world functions sometimes that he wants to pass that uncertainty on. And I think that's one of the reasons why he likes confusing people. And
1: I want to say, Grace, that Grendel is a pretty good example of what men of my youth Mm -hmm. were like. Yeah. Totally involved in themselves (laughs) and undercutting the hero tradition, but thinking that they were then the right tradition. Yeah. And, Seeing women as either consuming mothers or beautiful princesses, who you know, this great queen. She is really remarkable, but she, um, well, uh, the way she's remarkable is she can calm down these men. They're all fighting, and then she comes out with the mead bowl and speaks sweetly to them and makes them all sit down, and, and she's given up her. Home, and she's got these two sons that she realizes their cousin is going to kill because that's the only way he can take over the kingdom. Because there's no room for. She even says to her, "Yeah, she voices that like you've got too many sons already. You've got three. You don't need more sons because you can only pass it on to one." Yeah, it's it's a brutal kind of worldview that that we've come out of in some ways. Uh, Anyway, she's portrayed in a kind of positive light, but as because she's beautiful and because Mm -hmm. the men will fight over her. Mm -hmm. And she was this peace offering. Mm -hmm. And then uh, before Grandel doesn't kill her, what he does is spreads apart her legs and looks at the... Mm -hmm. Horror place. Yeah, he says legs. like
0: the horrible hole or something. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah. thanks, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, as a young woman yeah. coming of age in that yeah. time, there were not many roles for women. Mm-hmm. So, these men are experimenting with um, existentialism mm-hmm. and nihilism and. Getting rid of the old order, which was bad. But they are not at all aware of yeah. women or people of color. Yeah. Or this is a very white male yeah. kind of thing. It's and so And they're narrow. so stuck. Yeah. So sadly stuck. But yeah. but they're trying. we mm-hmm. will admit they're trying. Yeah. Gardner made big steps.
0: Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> no, there's truly like... So much <laughs> to say. <laughs> yes. I okay. So my my old and new impression. I read this for an English class in high school. Mm. Um, I think I was about sixteen, and yeah, I think it was junior year um, in a very uh, confusing English class mm. where our professor, our teacher. Um, Had to like leave for medical reasons, like partway through, and then we just like didn't have a teacher for like the rest of the year. We had to write, um, you know, like many uh, theses that year, and ours were just like passed out to the entire English department. Um, So you had the luck of the draw for who would grade it. So we were all terrified. (laughs) Oh dear. It was I so I say all this to illustrate <laughs> that class was a disaster but I did really appreciate reading this and reading it as a teenager is a very different experience from reading it mm-hmm. as an adult. Um I found it I found it very depressing when I read it when I was a teenager. Um I also, you know, had never taken like a philosophy oh. course, or been exposed to some of the ideas that are being played with yeah. throughout this. So, if you mm-hmm. take it right on its face, it's like, oh my gosh, you just, you gotta, like, you know, get a chocolate bar, like, <laughs> take a walk outside <laughs> in the sun. Does the world <laughs> exist, or, <laughs> or have you made it up? <laughs> yeah, like, come on, my guy. Like, we got other things to think about here. <laughs> and, and like, Grendel is. Oh, he's so fascinating to me because, on the one hand, I really I respect the way that he is so he's so intent on creating a or at least attempting cre- to create a full world for himself when he is so alone. I mean, he oh, he wants has someone to talk to. No one, and he's constantly doing these little. Like capers and making jokes just just to himself, and there are moments when he says, "I jauntily tip my pretend hat." <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Stuff that's like, or at the beginning, he's like throwing a tantrum when there's a ram that's annoying him um, that's climbing on a hill, and then there's an aside that says it was mostly fake, so he's yeah, like admitting yes. to himself that he's throwing a fake tantrum to himself, like. It's really funny. I, I didn't pick up on the he's humor. He's such a very teenager. Much. Yeah, he's, <laughs> that's the thing. He's, like, such a whiny brat. Yeah. But also, like, what would cause him to emotionally mature if he weren't really focused on doing so? Um, and I found a quote from Gardner about one of his main goals with Grendel, which I thought was really funny. Um And he said he wanted to go through the main ideas of Western civilization, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he said, which seemed to me about 12, (laughs) (laughs) and go through them in the voice of the monster with the story already taken care of from Beowulf with the various philosophical attitudes, though with Sartre in particular, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see what I could do and see if I could break something out. And I saw another quote from him where he called – Sartre like he's a whore intellectually figuratively and morally but he's a wonderful wonderful writer (laughs) and anything he says you believe at least for the moment because of the way he says it and I feel like that really came Mm -hmm. through especially in the scene with Grendel and the dragon where Grendel is like experiencing the first stirrings of true emotion through Mm -hmm. storytelling um, which is also really interesting. From a fantasy perspective. And then the dragon is just like, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, it's all meaningless, there's nothing there. Don't get caught up in these lies. You create everything. At the same time, it's just such a cruel outlook. And there is no regard for anyone else. And it's no wonder that Grendel's like, well, it makes me feel something when I murder. So I'm going to do that. And at times he refers to himself as a monster. But then at times he kind of pushes back against that. And is like, well, according to the Shaper... I am one of the sons of Cain, um, because the the shaper tells the story of Cain and Abel. And thus, I'm a cursed beast. And there's a really good line I saved that says, He, the old shaper, might make it true by the sweetness of his harp, his cunning trickery. It came to me with a fierce jolt that I wanted it, as they did too, the vicious animals, cunning, cracked with theories. I wanted it, yes even if I must be the outcast, cursed by the rules of his hideous fable. So even though he's being excluded, worse than excluded by these stories, he's being damned. He Mm -hmm. still is seduced by them because it's something to to give a little meaning to that cold void that the dragon says surrounds him.
1: And when he starts um, killing and becoming part of the songs they sing it's okay. when he says i exist now because i am someone in the story i'm i'm the one who's killing people so yeah. therefore i exist and it was and he
0: makes the heroes because they couldn't exist right. without him to fight against and
1: the dragon told him you're important yeah. because they need you otherwise they don't have any reason for doing any of the things they're doing and obviously they're doing none of the important things they're growing nothing mm-hmm. they are taking care of no cattle mm-hmm. they're not doing anything that's life support they're just being heroes and that's what heroes do is just ex- stupid
0: they're stuff. they're just expanding their empire i mean mm-hmm. that's the that's the primary focus
1: and early on grendel watches how they um ruin the forests mm-hmm. by cutting down the forests and putting fields and they mm-hmm. they just keep spreading and they ruin what was beautiful Mm -hmm. in his earlier years. Yeah.
0: And I think there's, he like both hates and appreciates that he does see so much overlap with himself and the humans. And there was one line that really stuck with me that was the desires only limits our desires needs. And Grendel said that, to explain why he didn't just kill them all and he says yeah. that he has an allotted quota every year for mm-hmm. how many people he's going to kill so that they can continue to essentially like play act their civilization that yeah. he is you know not just murdering among but witnessing and mm-hmm. it's like his his only source of Entertainment. I don't know it's, yes. it's something beyond that of being too I mean they make him in the same way he makes them like he is giving everyone an identity by having this role in the way he menaces the hall like he's so, making them yeah. greater and he's making himself into a bigger like more storied figure as well. And that's a big part of how the
1: shaper who mm-hmm. plays the harp, mm-hmm. there's an original harp player mm-hmm. who has to crawl out the window when the blind shaper comes. <laughs> yeah, that's just a sad, mean, sad scene. He just
0: walks out into the night to go I think he find. goes through the window. I don't think he
1: even walks. But then he goes that, Well, yeah, yeah. Then, then, he then he just he walks, like, heads
0: just, off to, without any of his belongings, just like, well, got to find another town because yeah. there's a more talented shaper now. And
1: the shaper who comes in who's blind has a young boy with him who has to take over as the shaper yeah. years, years and years later. But um so the shaper it's it's an interesting commentary on mm-hmm. the writer and this mm-hmm. way on fantasy fiction because yeah. the shaper is creating the reality, and although he is this blind dependent in the court, he's kind of driving the whole scene, which is what the Beowulf poet did and what Gardner is doing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, how do we get, how do we, those of us who love stories deal with that, that we're creating by telling the stories and we're remaking history and trying to find history through doing this. And it's,
0: yeah, you can get into a hole. No, totally. And the villains that we create, the monsters that we create yeah. in our stories become real in their own way. And so we're giving life to them too. And here, Beowulf is the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfirth is the anti-hero. That's yes, right. <laughs> and Grendel Grendel's clearly the protagonist, but it's it's hard to assign any morality. To Grendel in any way because he's so he's so introspective and yet also he likes to operate driven by (laughs) it. So there's there's so many moments where he he has these complex emotions or he'll talk a lot about really deep. Shivers and moments of great fear that pass over him, and then shortly after, it's like it was gone. It meant nothing. Right. So he's having these forebodings, and he he knows he has a he has a great capacity for knowledge and understanding, but he also knows that it feels good to drink blood and smash people's heads together. So he does it. But he didn't like that at first, and I.
1: I liked the way you talked about that we were going to do this episode. You said that we needed to give a hug to Grendel, who really needs one. And yeah. I think if somebody had been around to hug Grendel, besides his mother,
0: yeah, if he had anyone,
1: anyone, anyone,
0: and he asked several times, but nobody does. And the dragon's an antagonist, essentially. Like right. he could never connect in a no, more he positive way. Do that he was, yeah.
1: an in. Beowulf, of course, the dragon gets killed at the yeah, end too. Yeah. Um, but Grendel, if he had been n- welcomed mm-hmm. into a warm culture, mm-hmm. warm society somehow. But there's this notion that we only have a family, a culture, a clan, a group if we yeah. have an enemy. And that's a important um Commentary yeah. on us today on, on various ways we 're divided, do we need to have someone that we 're against or something we're against in order to feel that we exist at
0: all um, i thought I thought about better well, I thought about the uh, division between Grendel and the humans a lot when um I've forgotten how to pronounce her name, w- Walch, Theo. <laughs> when her brother is, whenever he's uh, in the book, he has a bear on a chain that yeah. he carries with him. And I thought it was interesting the way that Grendel commented on the bear because that was sort of another way of being that Grendel hadn't really encountered before because he is, you know, someone Grendel would, just say as a dumb animal, mm-hmm. but it's also being used as a greater tool and force of intimidation. Right. And there's such a, I mean, with when there's a, ever, you know, a trained bear, like a bear on a chain anywhere in literature, I just like feel so much mm-hmm. sad, great deep sadness. Um, and I felt like that was another moment where Grendel... Is sort of recognizing that the humans might see him as something akin to that bear mm-hmm. on a chain. Um, and the way that really everyone except Unfirth is so determined not to understand what he's saying. Right. Like they don't wanna lift that veil. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the that's one of the interesting fantasy components of the book, too, in in my opinion. Um, like I mentioned with the parallel to the fake going unseen and unnoticed. Right. Um, the way that they share a world. Grendel and his mother were definitely there first and mm-hmm. probably lived pretty differently than the way that they do now hidden away and they're safe under water cave with the other mysterious beings who have also been kind of forced out of memory so that they no longer exist Mm -hmm. in the same Mm -hmm. way. They're the, the like magical original creatures of the land. And then Grendel talks so much about order throughout the book and how Order is a way for humans to pretend that they have some kind of influence on the chaos around Mm -hmm. them. Um, But that order can never really exist. There's a line where he says, and this is almost at the end of the book, all order I've come to understand is theoretical, unreal, unreal. A harmless, sensible, smiling mask men slide between the two great dark realities, the self and the world, two snake pits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also another piece where I was just thinking about fantasy versus reality and the way that Grendel exists versus the way that the humans with their expanding empire do and what I mean, what Grendel's goals are is impossible to even say because he's really just existing as so many, you know, yeah. immortal or granted with very long life figures do because they see the greater patterns and mm-hmm. they know that they can't really make the impact that a human in their short life might be striving to make. Yes, Um, What were you going to (laughs) say? I have two different things I (laughs) want to say. The
1: first one I'll say is about um, the dragon talks about free will. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of fascinating because the dragon sees the future and the past. And he Mm -hmm. says, but you can see the past, but that doesn't mean you created it. So you think that just because I can see the future, I'm making that happen. But I'm not. I'm not making it happen anymore anymore.
0: Then you made the past happen they, that you see, mm-hmm. which
1: was an interesting argument.
0: Yeah, and I, that whole scene is so funny too because he keeps changing analogies yeah. to try to explain what his experience of both the past and future at once is like. Yes. And then he's like, "You don't understand." And Grendel's like, "I'm trying." <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and and really then, like, where he says, "I clasped my hands to show my seriousness." <laughs> <laughs> Just picturing Grendel being like, "Please." I'm the trying. dragon says, "Be quiet. You have nothing to say." <laughs> <laughs> he is so over it. And like, mm. if Grendel is alone, the dragon is even more alone. <laughs> So you know it's yeah. also another difficult place to be in. Um, so my other thing yeah, was about food, because I
1: know you have to talk about image uh, pretend food. So Grendel did not want to eat humans, and when
0: he, he likes cows, was,
1: he likes cows. Yeah. Yes, but when he finally ate a human, he it was he made him sick to his stomach. This had to be a learned taste yeah. and a forced yeah. taste and uh, an unpleasant one for him. Um, it's kind of an ex- a demonstration of how he chooses and is forced to become what they're afraid he is a monster. Is. Yeah,
0: completely. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, I didn't take food notes for this because. You guys don't want to hear that. It's pretty gross. Um, But I did save one that also confirms what you're saying. I have eaten several priests. They sit on the stomach like duck eggs. (laughs) Because yeah. Grendel has an interesting relationship with the priests where they, they're the only other ones, Orc is the only other person that who talks to him. Yeah, and yeah. who heard him. Yeah, and he, he hears him immediately. Mm-hmm. But I also think it it's funny because, you know, supposedly the, the priest would kind of exist in a different plane yeah. where they're like constantly trying to hear one of the gods, which is what Orc kind of said Mm -hmm. right away, he's like, finally, like the great destroyer, you're talking to me.
1: (laughs) He feels like his life is fulfilled because this God he's been serving all of his life now has shown up and is there with him.
0: And he asks him, what what is the greatest, what does he say? He says like, what is the greatest God's purpose or something like that? Um and then the priest gives like his full philosophical take yeah. on existence, and then Grendel's just silent. And when the other priests show up, Orc is like, the destroyer accepted my belief. Like, <laughs> I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> it's just amazing. If God showed up and was like, What's the meaning of life? And then you're like, uh, XYZ. And the guy was like, Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> God didn't
1: say anything back, didn't disprove it. And right. the, and, and Orc dies. Happily then. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to because Grendel showed up.
0: Yeah. I mean, Grendel, he really enriches their lives, even though he's also introducing yeah. so much danger. It's it's a very, it's a very interesting push and pull. And to to add to my note earlier about how I feel like he is watching his little dollhouse at work, I appreciated more rereading as an adult the different types of texts that are used throughout the Mm -hmm. novel where we go from prose to poetry to there are portions that are written like a play Mm -hmm. with the different directions and scenes and things like that and I thought that worked really well with the passages where Grendel is closely observing the humans unwatched and we also can't really tell if that's all things he's actually hearing them say and do or if he's creating his own little Fantasies about the humans' internal lives because we Mm. we never hear anyone's actual thoughts. It's it's all firmly filtered through Grendel, and he is a pretty unreliable narrator. Yes, (laughs) and yeah, I think that's another reason why it would have been amazing even just to get one chapter from his mother's perspective. It would. That would. I think that would be so valuable to the mm-hmm. book. Um, but but no. Up to you, Grace.
1: <laughs> John Gardner has that? passed
0: away, so he can't stop. No, me. he couldn't do it anyway. But was no. he married? Did
1: he have a, uh, a daughter yes. or anything?
0: He was married a few times. And oh, he was yeah, actually, probably. he died in a motorcycle accident the day before he was about to get married again. Oh, my. Four days before, sorry, four days before. Um, And it sounds like he did have kids, but they're not mentioned Mm -hmm. in detail. You know, he clearly like knew well and loved Beowulf and he taught ancient literature and Anglo-Saxon literature at many different schools, including Madeline's alma mater. Um, Although, from 58 to 59, (laughs) not when Madeline (laughs) was there. (laughs) Unless Madeline's also an immortal being. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. But I I totally agree. This book is really, really, really missing a feminine perspective. And what we get with Walch Théo is... Fascinating, and I wish we could have had more time with her. I really liked the moment when maybe this is Grendel making it up, or it was him actually watching her when she's with her um, what's his relationship to her, her nephew, her husband's brother's nephew, yeah, yeah, so um, her nephew by marriage, um. Mm -hmm. And she's watching him sleep and kind of saying over him that like she recognizes that he is going to grow up and try to overthrow Roth Car, her sons yeah. yeah yeah and and it's also
1: very sweet scenes when the three boys are eating together, and yeah. the, the nephew is feeding and playing with his cousins who are younger, and um. They're trapped. It's this yeah. whole feeling of you're trapped yeah. in your role, yeah. and you just right. have to keep playing it out. And are we? That's what the book is asking us to consider. Uh, no, and we're <laughs> considering it. Dang it. <laughs> That's why it's depressing to read. Don't read it by yourself. If you're going to yeah. read it, have someone like Grace to talk with well, about right. afterwards.
0: I afterwards. I was, I mean... Like we said, the writing is so stunning and you've heard some of these quotes. Um, it, it's it's so good. I on the topic of heroism, okay, I have to I have to read this one more and then I'm I'm done reading bits and we'll wrap up. But I want to read a bit too. Okay, never mind. We're not done reading bits. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> he is talking about when Unferth is challenging Grendel in his cave in like a totally failed way and he goes from first saying like true heroism is me vanquishing you and then at the end he says when it becomes clear he can't kill him he's like well true heroism inner heroism is actually if I just live out my days in spite of having failed and Grendel's like Hmm, he says it was not unusual, of course, to hear them contradict themselves, but I would have liked it if he'd stuck to one single version, either that they would know and sing his tragedy, because then he would have died mysteriously, yeah. or that they wouldn't. So it would have been in a poem, surely, if Unfirth were a character, good or evil, heroic or not. But reality, alas, is essentially shoddy. That <laughs> <It> is beautiful. <laughs> Reality is essentially shoddy. And that's also just commentary on how we're like doing our best to tell these stories. We're even failing there. Yeah. (laughs) Not allowing for all the nuances of what a hero should actually look like.
1: Oh, it's the same part that I'm looking at just because I happen to be there. But it's with Unferth. He says, Mm -hmm. you think me a witless fool, he whispered. (laughs) Oh, I heard what you said. I caught your nasty insinuations. I thought heroes were only in poetry, you said, (laughs) implying that what I've made of myself is mere fairy tale stuff. He raised his head, trying to glare at me, but his blind stare was in the wrong direction, following my mother's pacing. (laughs) Well, it's not, let me tell you. His lips trembled, and I was certain he would cry. I would have to destroy him from pure disgust, but he held it. He let his head fall again and sucked for air. A little of his voice came back so that he no longer had to whisper, but could bring out the words in a slightly reedy whine. Poetry's trash, <laughs> mere clouds of words, comfort to the hopeless. But this is no cloud, no syllabled phantom that stands here shaking its sword at you. I let the slight exaggeration pass, but Unferth didn't. Or... Lies here, he said. (laughs) (laughs) A hero is not afraid to face cruel truth.
0: I I love that you were you wanted to read the passage right before what I was looking at too. That whole scene is so amazing. Yeah, we're we're little unfurth heads over here. Totally, I think he's kind of our like normal person access to the text. Yeah, Yeah.
1: unfurth, and maybe the queen.
0: Yeah, the queen, but she's just so trapped in such a rigid role, like you were saying. That it's hard to like really get to see her as a person. And yeah, she really has the most challenging role. And all of the court, which is yeah, keeping everyone happy, everyone yeah. comfortable, passing the bowl around. I was like, when does she get to take a step from the <laughs> yeah, bowl? You I know, know? <laughs> you can't just pass the bowl yeah. all night.
1: It's not fair. She's she has a restful time when her brother comes to visit, and she's with her old friends and her old, her husband, who them. is much older than she was, was sitting off on the chair, and she'd look at him sometimes, and that was it. But um, yeah.
0: She's she's got a difficult role. Yeah, I was reading about how in Germanic cultures from this time, that was very common to have the queen or princess or something play that role, um, mm. and that that was also pretty historically accurate. And I was just like, I'd be bad at that. <laughs> I don't think I'd get to that point in the first place. Well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you might. Cause, you know, if your, let us say, dad decided oh. that he wanted to give you to someone in that time, you'd be given and then w- to stay alive if you had some will to live. yeah, You'd find you'd have to. I mean, they had to be so damn smart yeah. in order to avoid. Yeah. Just constantly anticipating. Yeah. And so lonely. They, there's, they're they the only one there. Yeah. Who was doing the cooking? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess they must have had must have some women in the Servants kitchen. in yeah. the kitchen. Um, because it seemed like the kingdom was big enough by that point that yeah, yeah. they had and they did have labor. people off plowing
1: fields yeah. and stuff. They just they yeah. just weren't important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well well <laughs> should we uh pick our badass ladies and then wrap up? Yeah, oh, we got two to pick between. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're loose with the lady term. Um, I mean, I i i'll I'll pick Grendel. I do think Grendel mm. is like interestingly um, genderless in a lot of ways yeah. too. Like, there's never any sexual inclinations that would like point in one direction. Well, he's or kind of in
1: love with the queen.
0: A little bit. He's attracted to the queen. But I also see it as the way he talks about her is so similar to the way he talks about the shaper, where it's like, Mm -hmm. here's someone that made me feel something. So, yeah, it's hard hard to say. Um, And, yeah, Grendel has no mate of his own or no one that he could even, I don't know, have a conversation with. So I will rank Grendel. Oh. Um, A a hug. I just, I have to go back to it. I'm going to give Grendel a hug and talk to him and hopefully be like, please don't rip my head off. I am not interested in empire building. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can tell you a little story, but not anything so intense that it's going to make you upset and make you feel like you have to kill me. Um, Yeah, a hug and a story, a hug and a song. That's nice. So now I get to pick a
1: woman or a person? You can pick Unferth if you
0: want. Yes, you can pick lady. Walsh, Theo. You can pick oh, yeah. The Shaper. You can know. pick anyone. Well,
1: I want to pick the queen, a but I think I'm going to pick Unferth. I yeah. mean, the queen would be great. She needs an escape, and yeah. she, she just needs out. But Unferth I think I would give a badge to because <laughs> he becomes a human
0: yeah he' in does. A
1: way, in this story. He's he kind
0: of set free from yeah. the expectations that were on him, and I imagine was you know, saved from becoming a figure like Beowulf.
1: yeah, and he's he's kind of miserable, but he sticks around in the court and he watches Grendel and he knows what happened. yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably identify with him most. so i'd I'd give him a badge and say, you're a kind of real hero yeah, because you've you got it. a heart. Yeah. So would be heart shaped.
0: That's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing a little red woven mm. embroidered patch. Yeah, right. Very into it. Excellent mm-hmm. writing. Well, I think that wraps up our grendel discussion um thank you those of you who are listening I know it's a little different from what we normally right, cover, but yeah. this was really fun loved having you renee thank you so much it's great for joining to be here <laughs> this was very fun i loved when we were coming down to the recording room and i saw that you had two books with you and i was like what are they one is beowulf what's both the other they're both Beowulf." <laughs> But, you know, as a former English professor, I would never expect you to not be clutching little piles of books with you <laughs> wherever
1: you go. And what's really weird, Grace, is that these voices that we recorded in this Grendel's mother's hole under the ground <laughs> <laughs> might go out among real people in the world. They will. Really hear some of this. They will. They might say something bad.
0: We won't be like
1: like Grendel with That's, no one yeah.
0: understanding our words. That's exactly right. And if you do say something back, we appreciate you. Yes, we'll listen. You can find more of our stuff on our website dragonbabiespodcast.com and we're on Instagram and TikTok at dragonbabiespodcast. Renee, do you want to do you have anything to promote right now? Well, I have a webpage that grace made so it's beautiful <laughs> <have> website. <laughs> it's called
1: reneehanson.com. hansen.com it's r-a-n-a-e-h-a-n-s-o-n.com and it's got stuff there
0: yeah and you can learn more about her really cool book watershed and your other work mm-hmm. all right that's it okay. thanks bye, bye. guys <laughs>